On Mother's Day 1985, Philadelphia did something unthinkable. The city had been engaged in a standoff with a radical organization called MOVE. The helicopter takes off, then... The city dropped a bomb on MOVE's headquarters, killing 11 people, five of them children. My daughters were taken away by this corrupt government! Why is it so many have never heard of the MOVE bombing? Black people will never get justice in America. The Africas versus America, available now everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I was driving on the freeway and saw a man with his seat almost fully reclined, feet out the window, and hands like behind his head going about 95 miles an hour. That is distracted driving at a whole other level. One of the much-touted features of the Tesla vehicles is their so-called autopilot. Contrary to what some drivers believe, this doesn't actually drive the car for you. The company is now recalling 2 million of its cars, both in Canada and in the United States. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it has investigated at least 35 crashes linked to Tesla's autopilot feature and at least 17 deaths. Keith Lang is a reporter with Bloomberg News. He covers automotive and transportation issues. He's in Washington, D.C. Keith, good morning. Good morning. What exactly is this recall about? This recall is the product of an investigation that uh, NHTSA has started in 2021. They've actually been investigating Tesla's autopilot system on and off since 2016. Um, The pace has picked up a bit under the Biden administration. But uh, this investigation um, sprung out of a series of crashes involving Teslas that were operating with their autopilot system on that had accidents involving emergency vehicles. The end result was that uh, NHTSA found that Tesla's vehicles don't do enough to make sure that drivers are paying the required amount of attention. So Tesla has agreed to this recall. The recall is essentially a software update, right, for for the autopilot, parts of the autopilot feature. Yeah, they're they're trying to address the uh, the prompts and the warnings when the system senses that the driver is disengaged. They're going to try to remind people more that they need to keep their hands on the wheel and be paying attention to the driving task, even though the car is capable of performing some driving maneuvers. What does disengaged mean? I mean, we heard the, the, the little clip of somebody saying that they saw a person with their hands behind their back and, and or head behind their head and the feet out the window. I mean, w- what does disengaged actually mean <laughs> if, if you are behind the wheel of the Tesla? Tesla's own instructions for their cars say that the cars are not capable of driving themselves, even despite the autopilot marketing. So while it can accelerate, decelerate, and change lanes in some cases, they're they're saying the driver is responsible for paying attention to their surroundings, keeping their hand on the wheel, being able to take over at any time. In a piece that you had written, Consumer Reports had said that this recall should have happened five years ago. What's your understanding about why it's taken so long for NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, to get to this point where it would issue this recall? Well, they say that they're, they've been doing this investigation and that this recall is a product of the investigation. They also pointed out that the investigation is not complete, but there has definitely been a call from safety groups here in Washington for uh, NHTSA to be much more aggressive with Tesla and Tesla is also facing uh, inquiries from other federal agencies that are looking into their marketing practices behind calling the system autopilot because uh, NHTSA points out that there are no vehicles on the road today that are capable of fully driving themselves. Mm. The, they're, they're all 
uh, NHTSA has a zero to five scale of autonomy, of measuring autonomy in cars, with zero being standard car that a human operates, mm-hmm. five being a fully autonomous car. The highest level of any car on the road today is two, mm. which is basically a driver assist system, which is what autopilot is. I was reading uh, Walter Isaacson's enormous you know, doorstopper of a biography of Elon Musk, and it talks about Tesla and autopilot. And one of the things that he says in that book is that um, when journalists were doing some digging around about a couple of deaths in 2016 that might have been connected to uh, autopilot, Elon Musk said, if you write stories that dissuade people from using autonomous systems or regulators from approving them, then you are killing people. Then you have blood on your hands, essentially. What does he see as the value? What does Elon Musk see as the value of this kind of system as you understand it? Well, he and other um, supporters of self-driving systems argue that most car crashes are caused by human error, that humans are infallible. We're driving cars and, you know, you make a mistake, you you are distracted by your phone, you miss a red light, you collide with another car. The counter to that from a lot of the uh, safety advocates is that by promoting these systems that are currently available as autopilot, Tesla is convincing customers incorrectly that the cars are capable of doing more than they are. I mean, the name itself, autopilot, suggests that the car is the pilot, that I could, you know, do something else while the car drives itself. That's the issue that you have, like, the Federal Trade Commission and Securities and Exchange Commission looking at. NHTSA is looking at the software itself and the ways that it is used in this investigation, and that's what this recall is about. Elon Musk does a pretty good job of torpedoing his own reputation when it comes to his other businesses. What do you think this has done for the reputation of Tesla itself? I think that remains to be seen, um, because this is in some ways a recall in name only. It's not a situation where every Tesla owner has to take their car in for physical part repair. Essentially, this it, will be be, pu- be pushed to you like an update to your phone. Yeah, it'd be exactly like an update to your phone. They're going to put out a new version of the autopilot software that they say is going to have stronger prompts and warnings about paying attention. And if that satisfies uh, the regulators at NHTSA, then at least this part of the problem could be solved for Tesla. But you still have the agencies that are looking into their marketing practices. It's unlikely that uh, Tesla's biggest fans that are vocal online are going to change their opinion based on this. Uh, Elon Musk himself has tweeted that these type of updates shouldn't even be called recalls. He said it's anachronistic, but there is a uh, federal law in the U.S. that requires car companies, if they submit a recall paperwork, to follow the process. And they have to mail out a letter to the drivers mm. within 60 days, even though drivers have already begun receiving these updates. We'll wait and see how drivers respond and what this means for uh, the bigger industry. In the meantime, Keith, thank you very much for this. No problem. Thanks for having me. Keith Lang is a reporter with Bloomberg News. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart. And for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. What exactly does this recall mean for the future of semi-autonomous or even driverless cars? Steve Waslander is director of the Toronto Robotics and AI Laboratory at the University of Toronto. He is an expert on autonomous vehicles. He's with me in studio. Good morning. Good morning. This recall 
is raising all sorts of concerns about the future of, and the safety of autonomous vehicles and semi-autonomous vehicles. We'll talk about the future in a moment, but if you take a look at safety issues, how worried should we be? I think uh, it's actually very promising. So one of the things that Tesla does mention in all of the uh, discussions about this recall is that their uh, safety record is actually pretty impressive when you have the human driver and the car working together uh, to drive you know, semi-autonomously. Mm. Um, and what we're seeing is we see uh, larger and larger deployments of fully autonomous vehicles, so vehicles without a driver in the driver's seat at all. Uh, California has them, uh, Texas, Arizona, well, Arizona yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and these are larger and larger fleets, 300, 500 vehicles now driving regularly on, you know, on a daily basis, uh, doing real taxi drives for, for, for people. Have you been in one of these Tesla cars with the autopilot on? I've been in the Teslas. Yep. I've also been in the cruise vehicles. Uh, there's uh, it's really interesting to see the Teslas. You definitely have to continue to pay attention. I was going to say how much for people who've never seen, they've seen a Tesla, yeah. they've been in a Tesla, yep. but they've not turned the autopilot on. How much driving does it actually do for you? It, it will do the full driving task, but it needs your attention all the time. Uh, and, the, you know, uh, it seems to be that, you know, on the five to 10 minute scale, there's something that requires intervention. How many mistakes does it make and what kind of mistakes? Does it's it very make? consistent. So, so it, um, the, the kind of mistakes it makes are, you know, where lanes, uh, you know, merge or, or change, uh, and it has to detect those reliably, uh, where vehicles come in uh, from oblique angles, uh, when you're doing merges and these sort of things, there's a lot of situations where um, the, the, the Tesla autopilot um, uh, needs you to sort of take over and recover. Do you understand the confusion? People hear the word autopilot and they think, well, it's autopilot. It's just piloting itself. I don't need to do anything. And Absolutely. we hear the story of, you know, the guy with his feet out the window and the car's, you know, blazing down the highway because he thinks it's going to take care of himself. Is that kind of understandable given that name? It is. And, and it's not so much the name, it's actually the feature. Mm. So the car will drive itself most of the time and, and fairly quickly you get used to it. And this is sort of the hard part um, is that we need these cars to be safe for hundreds of thousands of kilometers, not just for the next hour. And yet when we're driving it in, our, in it ourselves, we tend to over predict how reliable it is, right? So, And that's part of the research that's been done to try to figure out how drivers handle these semi-autonomous vehicles. Francesco Biondi of the University of Windsor did an experiment comparing how well drivers paid attention when autonomous systems were switched on or switched off. Have a listen. We saw some remarkable differences. So people started like, some people even dozed off and we had to, <laughs> the research system even had to like put a stop to it. The system on paper is designed to make driving safer. But he has a lot of limitations because it doesn't take into account that humans are the way they are. At the risk of self-incrimination, do you notice yourself drifting off, dozing <laughs> off when, when the semi-autonomous feature is on? Well, it's it's definitely challenging. And and this is what, uh, you know, I think it came out fairly early in the autonomous driving uh, story was that if you rely on human supervision for your safety, um, you, you really have this sort of barrier. You can't go beyond uh, reliability on the order of, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour, or else people really do check out. Um, and this has been seen over and over across companies. And so, to get to really full self-driving, you have to be able to go for months and for years without an incident. And so you can imagine trying to watch a system for, you know, a year's worth of driving. And at the very last second, at the end of the year, you have to jump in and recover. That It's not going to work, right? So uh, the companies that are doing full self-driving without the driver in the seat have completely done away with that human supervision so tool. Tell us where we are at in this. You, you're working on full automation in the lab. And as you said, there are some driverless cars that are out there operating trucks as well. Mm -hmm. I gather. What are the biggest safety challenges when it comes to having something completely drive itself? 
Um, the, the, the biggest safety challenges come around what we call the long tail, the sort of the rare events that don't happen often enough for these systems to be familiar with them. Um, you can imagine things like, you know, somebody walking a mirror across the, the road or, uh, you know, uh, things like adverse weather, which is what I work on specifically in my lab. So it's rain and snow and fog, how those affect uh, the systems. That, that if you're a human driver and you see two people carrying a mirror across, you think that's two people carrying a mirror across, right. I'm going to stop. Yep, exactly. But the machine hasn't seen that before. Exactly, right. So if that, if that kind of situation doesn't uh, exist within the data and the uh, testing that's been done in advance of deployment, the vehicles, that it's not clear how the vehicle will respond in those situations. And it's amazing sort of the diversity of events that happen. We've seen some examples, uh, you know, I hate to pick on crews, but they had a vehicle drive straight into a patch of wet concrete. Mm. Uh, they had a vehicle drive through uh, some caution tape uh, into an accident scene. And these were things that just hadn't been designed for in advance. And so when they popped up, the vehicle didn't see anything wrong with the situation and just proceeded. Um, but this is the kind of thing that, that everyone in the industry is now working on. And it's a massive investment to get that um, rareness uh, familiar enough that we can drive safely. What about bad weather? I mean, the assumption is that the sensors that you would require, you would rely on are going to be covered up by snow and slush. They're not going to work. People can barely drive their own cars uh, yeah. in snow and slush, let alone the car driving itself. Is it possible to make it work in weather like we have here? It is. And, and what we really need is we need the systems to be able to determine how much they can trust their own outputs. So how, how well are they perceiving the situation around them? Mm. And are the plans that they're generating actually safe? Um, and so this is where my research is headed. We're trying to identify those rare events and identify those cases where the learning systems that are fundamentally driving this technology, um, that they can actually output along with, you know, here's a box of a car, here's a, a track that it's been following. Um, also say, I'm a little bit uncertain about whether it's, you know, 10 meters away or 12 meters away. Um, so if we can get that kind of really fine-grained resolution information on what we're familiar with, what the system knows it's doing reliably, and what it's doing incorrectly or, or where it's less certain, you can make much smarter planning decisions about, okay, you know, this is a dangerous situation. I've never seen this before. Maybe I should pull over and wait for some help. How close is that? Uh, it's coming, yeah. So uh, all of the systems that are deployed with fully autonomous vehicles have some sort of call home or some sort of emergency evasion maneuver. Um, and they're working very hard to um, expand that to incorporate sort of, you know, real-time emergency events. Um, so when they, when they have time to prepare, when they have a, a look ahead that's long enough, it seems that um, they're able to do something safely. But when something happens in, in, at high speed or, uh, you know, uh, something pops up in the scene, mm. uh, these, are, these are harder things to react to. You said you didn't want to pick on cruise, but I mean, a lot of people are picking on cruise right now. Yes. This is GM's yep. robo-taxi division. Right. Uh, it was ordered to stop its driverless taxi service in San Francisco after a fatal accident. 25% of its workforce was cut yesterday. Mm. What does that tell you about the state of this technology? It seems as though, I mean, the CEO is out and somebody else has been replaced, that they're, they're, people are pumping the brakes on this, not the machine. Yep. Yeah, so so they were pushed very hard to to deploy and to uh, um, uh, to demonstrate their technology at scale. That's the Silicon Valley move this, fast and break things. It is, it is, but it was also um, I think uh, just uh, you know uh, inevitable in that we have to find those those rare events and those strange situations that the cars aren't yet familiar with, um, and and the only way to do that is in public testing. Um, so I think it's probably a setback for Cruise. I don't think it's game over. Absolutely, um, they they have a 
phenomenal technology that they've built up over a long time, um, but they just needed to scale back the way they were doing the testing to ensure that they've covered these sort of, you know, emergency cases. The fatality wasn't so much Cruz's fault, right? Uh, it was uh, another vehicle, a human driver hit a pedestrian, and that pedestrian went into the path of the cruise vehicle. Which didn't stop. Which didn't stop. And, and that was the, the problem, person. right? Yeah. And so, so the problem was that never in the experience of that self-driving system mm. had a pedestrian fallen in front of the car and, and you know, um, so it did safely pull over as best it could, but it didn't realize it had already run over the person at that point. I mean, the promise of this technology is that the car will drive itself and I'll be in the backseat, I'll be reading a book, I'll yep. be watching a movie, I'll be making instant ramen, whatever, yep. right? How will we know when it's safe to do that? So, so the um, the safety assessment, the ability to confirm or to uh, verify how these systems will operate in the real world, it's a, it's a multi pronged challenge. So, first off, you can give these vehicles a driving test. So, you have a closed circuit road. You do hundreds of different scenarios. You can use uh, you know inflatable vehicles and pedestrians and the like, dummies, um, and you can just make sure that the basic operations all work. The second thing is to do an immense amount of simulation. So we have really high fidelity simulators now. They reconstruct all of the sensor information. They can build thousands and thousands of scenarios. And you can actually distribute those scenarios over almost all of the driving situations we expect to encounter in a particular environment. Mm -hmm. uh, you can change weather conditions, et cetera. And you can test those overnight. You can test those on every software change. You can just do this repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And then finally, in the same way that every other um, safety critical transportation system has developed, for example, you know, aerospace or mm -hmm. air transport, um, every time there are accidents, we need investigations, right? So you want to have uh, uh, accurate and robust data collection across all of these fleets, and you need the companies to be constantly refining their software to improve and to expand the set of situations they can handle. But it's coming. It's coming, absolutely, yeah. And so, you know, if you're in San Francisco or you're in Austin, you know, go give it a try. You can order it almost like an Uber uh, and 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 have a look, and uh, and it'll continue to deploy. The deployment will take a while, yeah. right? Every new environment takes more and more testing. But yes, it's coming. We'll talk more about this, I think, in future. In the meantime, it's good to see you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Steve Wasslander is director of the Toronto Robotics and AI Laboratory at the University of Toronto and an expert on autonomous vehicles. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.